Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Romans with part two of this message entitled, Eternal Security. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter five. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to make our calling and election sure that we may live and die in the certain hope, in the sure hope of living with you forever and ever and ever in unending joy. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have already spoken three points on the subject of eternal security of a true believer. First, of course, the security from divine logic. See, we live at a time of irrationalism. A person can make contradictory statements in one breath without any problem. You listen to all these people. They speak in contradictions. We believe in irrationalistic existential philosophy of a world that is not moral. We believe in a time of emotionalism, which doesn't give anybody any security. But when you study the scripture, there is logic, cause and effect. So we spoke about the security from divine logic. Second, the security from divine justification. And third, security from divine reconciliation. This morning we want to consider a few more points from the scriptures designed to give us complete assurance of our eternal salvation by which we can live and we can face death which is coming to all of us in due time. So let us consider point number four. Christ, our mediator. St. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 5 and 6, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. This mediator is Jesus Christ who died for us and he lives for us. Justification and reconciliation are achieved through the death of God's son Jesus Christ. The Greek uses a preposition, dia, through, through. Salvation is accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. And I'm sure there are people here who have not repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ alone to be saved. And I'm glad you have been brought here by divine 
power that you may hear and surrender your souls to the eternal lordship of Jesus Christ, our only mediator. So I looked at chapter 5 of Romans, also chapter 3, to look at this preposition, dia, God achieving salvation through, not through you, not through any man, but through a fit mediator, God, man. And so we read chapter 3 and verse 24, justified freely by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And chapter 5 verse 19, through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. Chapter 5, verse 9, through Jesus Christ, we shall be saved from God's wrath. There is no other way. Chapter 5, verse 10, we are reconciled to God through the death of his son. Chapter 5, verse 10 again, much more we shall be saved through his life. We are saved through his death. And we are saved through his life. Chapter 5 verse 11. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have now received reconciliation. Chapter 5 verse 21. Grace reigns through righteousness. Unto eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 5, verse 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, you have no peace at all. You live in anxiety. You are without God and without hope in this world. Chapter 5, verse 2, through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have gained access into this grace in which we stand. In chapter 5, verse 11, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Joy comes to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we read verse 17 of chapter 5. We shall reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You see, he alone then is our mediator between God and men. So it tells you the crucial importance of trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal salvation. Full salvation comes to us by Christ's blood and by his death. By his death in behalf of us guilty sinners. Friends, sin is the most horrible thing in the world. That means a sinner must die. There is no other way. Or someone else who is fit to die in our place. Genesis 2 verse 17 says... 
You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when you eat of it, you will surely die. Romans 1 verse 32, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. Every sinner knows he must die. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. And you who hear my voice this morning know that you must die. And it may be that you will not trust in Christ and walk out of this place as you came in, but with greater guilt. Because you cannot say, I never heard the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, for all sin. And Romans 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wages of sin is death eternal. We sin, we must die. But Jesus Christ died in our place. Let's praise the Lord. And he died in him. He died in him. If anyone does not believe in Jesus Christ, he cannot be justified or reconciled to God. Belief in monotheism is not enough. You must believe in one God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The ground, the sole ground of our justification and reconciliation is the death of God's incarnate Son in our place. Jesus himself said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And St. John in his first epistle, chapter 5, verse 12 says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Jesus himself said, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Number five, that union with Christ, union with Christ. There is a phrase in the scripture, especially in the New Testament, again and again and again used, en Christo. In Christ. Speaking about our union with Christ. And St. Paul tells us in Romans 6. What shall we say then shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means. We died to sin how can we live in it any longer. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus. Were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And chapter 6 and verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Friends, in his death we died. When he was buried, we were buried with him. And when he rose again, we rose with him to live forevermore. Because of this mother of all Christian doctrines called union with Christ. By faith, by faith we are united to Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever and ever, sir. When he died for our sins, we died with him. He was buried, we were buried with him. When he rose, we were risen with him. And so Romans 3 verse 9 says, we were under sin. But we are told, in Romans 6, 14 and 15, that we are not under sin. We are not under law. Isn't that wonderful? We were under sin. We were under law that is under its authority, under its power. We are no longer under sin. We are no longer under law. We are under grace. Grace of God. Hallelujah. All because of our vital union with Jesus Christ by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced, we are convinced of this great doctrine of union with Christ. We are convinced of what? That one died for all, therefore all died. Our sin problem is dealt with. Hallelujah. And one lives, therefore we live. Therefore we live. Sir, our salvation never depends upon anything that we have ever done or ever will do. And we are told that Jesus Christ never dies. Let's take a look at it and see whether he's going to die again. And if he's going to die again, we must become anxious about this salvation. Romans 6 8 and 9. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For because we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. We are raised with Christ and he cannot die again, so we cannot die again. We live forever. <laughs> Let's praise the Lord, sir. It's all right. That's right, sir. Jesus himself said so. Because I live, you also will live. Jesus said, John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Hallelujah. We are united with Jesus Christ. He is life. 
and from his life, life flows to us and we live. We live, sir. Or listen to what St. Paul says about this union with Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruit means it points to a harvest. First fruit is linked with a harvest. Christ is the first fruit points to a harvest, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For us in all, Adam all dies. So in Christ, notice the union, in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him by faith. United vitally to the risen Christ. Number six. You can have absolute assurance of your salvation. Because Jesus Christ, the living one, intercedes for us as our high priest. Romans 8, verse 34, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us to the Father. You think his intercession is effectual, sir? Hallelujah. He already prayed for us while he was on earth in John 17. Verse 11, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. And verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. Friends, nobody sees God's glory unless they are glorified. And this petition of our Lord Jesus Christ heard by the Father and so our glorification is assured. And we will see the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 7 verse 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, notice, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I am assured, sir, of my eternal salvation number seven not only the Lord Jesus Christ intercedes for us the Holy Spirit intercedes for us Romans 8 27 and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will 
You think spirit's intercession is effectual, sir? From earth, the Holy Spirit now interceding in behalf of you, in behalf of me, and his prayer to God the Father is effectual. Not only he intercedes, but he indwells in us. Romans 8 verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. That's not a question of contingency. It is not a doubt. It is a fact in the Greek. It means it is true that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. Let's praise him. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Your glorification is guaranteed by the indwelling spirit of the living God. Number eight. Not only, the, not only Jesus is interested in us, not only Holy Spirit is interested in us, but God the Father himself is interested in us. Number eight is the love of the Father for us. Romans 5 verse 5, we looked at it. It is the most direct and immediate and highest form of assurance we can have. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Not only assurance comes to us by logical deduction, but also on the basis of an existential outpouring of his love into our hearts. We feel it, we know it, that God loves me. It doesn't matter who loves me or not, but the love of the Father will take care of me. Let everyone leave me, forsake me. Even the father and mother may forsake you, but I will take you up. I will receive you. I will love you. That is the idea here. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And St. Paul in chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, he says this, for I am convinced beyond a shadow of doubt. I'm convinced, I'm secure, I'm sure of my eternal, final salvation. Why do you say that? For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hold on to that, sir. The love of the Father will give you such assurance when the dark days come, when the storm comes, when the thunder and lightning comes, when the rain comes, when all foundations of man crumbles, when the political situations change, economic life changes. Don't worry about a thing. God loves me. Hallelujah. And nothing can separate me from the love of our Heavenly Father. Number nine. 
Let's look at it again. I am speaking about Jesus Christ, who is able. He is able. He is able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He is able, sir. Our Savior is able. And so notice Hebrews 7 verse 25. Therefore, he is able because he lives an indestructible life. Nobody can kill him. Indestructible life. And we are linked to him who lives indestructible life. He is able. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. He is able, sir. Hebrews 2 verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Are you being tempted, sir? Are you being tempted? Are you facing trouble? Are you confused, sir? I offer to you a Savior who is able to help you and bring you out of all that temptation and misery and pain. He's able, sir. Ephesians 1 verse 22, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. And Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore go. Hallelujah. He's able, sir. Let's say it together. He's able. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Hallelujah. He's able, sir. Say one more time. He's able. Hallelujah. Jude verse 24. To him who is able. To keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault. And with what's a great joy. Hallelujah. He's able, sir. He's able. And Jesus said in John 10 verse 28. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. That means he is able. And number 10. That's the final point. One thing about God is what he starts, he finishes. Let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 14. Where he makes this point. Beginning with verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him. Saying, this fellow began to build but was not able to finish it. But St. Paul says, Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work. And it's a good work, sir. It is a work of salvation. Good work. Hallelujah. It's a good work, sir. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
God planned our salvation before the creation of the world. Everything is planned. And in the fullness of time, he sent his son. He lived, he died, he was raised up, he ascended into the heavens, he is seated on the throne, and he's coming again. He's coming again, sir. Hallelujah. He's coming again to finish the job. In view of this great assurance of our final salvation, friends, we rejoice. We rejoice always. And we rejoice in tribulations also. And read 5 verse 11, we rejoice in God. In this unchanging, immutable God who is true to doesn't lie. He cannot lie. You can count on his word. You can rest on his promises. No matter what happens, God has justified me. God has reconciled me to himself. God has done the most difficult thing in regard to my salvation. God will surely put the finishing touch on my salvation. He will glorify me. So I rejoice in God. Not in the gifts, but in the giver, God himself. If I possess God, I possess everything. This God never changes. He loved me when I was his enemy. He loves me now as his friend and as his beloved son. And he will love me forever. So we join Psalmist Asaph and say, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Or let's join prophet Habakkuk and say, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Friends, are you justified by God, the supreme judge of the universe? Have you been reconciled to him? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ alone, whose death is the basis of justification and reconciliation? Then, friends, fear nothing on the last day you will be justified no wrath shall be poured out on you you'll be saved to enjoy eternal life Christ died in him I died to sin and to law Christ lives in him I live forever therefore I rejoice in God Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can snatch me from God's mighty hand. 
And he is able to keep me from falling. And he is able to keep me singing. But friends, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, his wrath will surely be poured out on the unrepentant and unbelieving on the last day. You can count on it. His salvation is sure. His judgment also is sure. Listen to St. Paul in Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 6 and following, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. And so I want to speak to you, those who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. Nothing to fear. You will die, sir. But you fear nothing. If God is for me, who can be against me? But if you have not put your trust in the only Savior, Jesus Christ, then I beseech you and plead with you, trust in him. Because you can count on his coming again in which he will save his people and judge those who treated him with contempt. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us, those who trusted in Jesus Christ, help us to be fully assured of our eternal salvation. Help us to rejoice in God. And we pray that you grant mercy to those who have not trusted yet in Jesus Christ Draw them by the power of your Holy Spirit that they be born again and be given the power to repent and trust in the only Savior, Jesus Christ, that they may be in Christ to be blessed with eternal life. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, a part two of this sermon entitled Eternal Security. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.